Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. Isaiah 54, Isaiah 54. Let's read this passage together. It starts with this. It says, Rejoice, childless one who did not give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the forsaken one will be more than, future tense, more than. It's, it's about to happen. It will happen in the future. It will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, we've been spending time. You can keep this up on, on the screen. We've been spending time in this Isaiah 54 passage. I preached on this uh, really quickly during Vision Sunday back in February, late January. And I, just through, through the calendar of the year, I'm like, man, I, I feel like God wants us to dive deeper into this. So we have been spending uh, some weeks in just this passage alone, verses 1 through 5. And uh, every week I've been, we're in week five this week, but every week I've been breaking this down. And I said, if you were to look at verse one and try to put yourself in the context of what is being proclaimed here through the prophet Isaiah from God, the Lord is giving a command telling the people, listen, your situation may have been hopeless, but I am declaring to you that hope is around the corner. And I don't want you to start celebrating and worshiping when you see proof of that hope. I want you to start worshiping and celebrating before you have proof of that hope. I want you to understand that when I declare something, you can take that to the bank and it's about to happen. So God is saying, I want you to rejoice before you receive. And give it up for one of the best elders in the church, Bob Crop. Man, coming in clutch. You're like Kawhi Leonard over there. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? It's a sport. All right. Uh, so rejoice before you receive. Don't wait to receive to rejoice. You rejoice before you receive. When the Lord brings a promise, you can bank on it. It's going to happen. So he is given this promise, this declaration. But then in verse 2, he begins to give us application. Everybody say application. It's not just about how loud you can holler to see God thing, do holy things. There takes preparation. It takes a will, a determination to see and to sustain the things that God is trying to accomplish. So we see that happening in verse 2. He says, enlarge the sight of your tent. Make it bigger. Let your curtains be stretched out. Uh, we've said, we've applied this. We've said that, that enlarging the sight literally means to expand the current size that you have. If God is about to bring increase, you need to understand something. The current condition, the current parameters that you have shaped around in your life are not large enough to sustain the increase God desires to bring. If we were to apply that to our church setting, we would say this. The current church that we have now is not large enough to sustain the increase God wants to bring in more than just a, a physical way, but in a spiritual sense as well. So we have to enlarge the sight, the size of our tent. And how do we do that? We said it starts by enlarging the size of our heart. God, give us a heart for all people. May this church not be a church that looks like me and talks like me and acts like me, but may this be a church that is an embodiment of all of your children. That when we walk around the city of Wichita, we would long to be a church that represents heaven. People have said, uh, you have a healthy church when your church looks like your city. And I would say, you have a healthy church when your church looks like heaven. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. So we have said, God, enlarge the size 
of our heart so that we can enlarge the sight of our tent. The second thing that we see here, he says, stretch out the curtain. We said the curtain is for twofold purpose. It, it's for protection and it speaks inclusivity. Everybody say inclusivity. This is a fun word to say. That's why I wanted you to say it. You stretch out the curtain. The curtain is, is specifically a means to protect people. When someone is underneath the curtain of the tent, you, you are saying, you belong here, right? Have you ever had somebody walk into your car on accident? Like, like I did that one time. Uh, there was a, another Ford Explorer parked by my Ford Explorer, and I walked in there, and I just like sat down. I'm like, hey, Kate. <laughs> That's not Katie. <laughs> and I got out of there, and she maced me in the face. Just kidding. But that would have been crazy. Um, we are saying, when we are stretching out our curtains, we are, we are saying, we want you to be a part of us. We want, we want you to be in this family. Uh, we, we are, we are putting, placing you under our protection. And I'm proud to say on June 16th, I get to meet with St. Francis Ministries here in the city of Wichita and dream with them, cast vision with them and say, how can our church be a part of the solution to the problem that we have in this county. There are countless children, almost 100 kids a week under the age of 10 who have nowhere to go. So what the city does is they put them in, in the overworked DCF offices and, and, and keep them in there and, and hold them in there. And, and these students, these kids, I remember seeing them when I was taking my TIPS maps classes, seeing them and they're just in, in the offices, nowhere to go. I'm going to them and one of the things I'm bringing up, aside from being a place that can train uh, families to be foster care parents. That's one thing that I'm, I'm casting to them. I'm also saying, can our church provide a solution? Can we open up our church Monday through Friday and, and be a place that, that stretches its curtain wide over the most vulnerable individuals of society? Children under the age of 10 who have nowhere to eat, nowhere to sleep, nowhere to find comfort, no one loving them, no one hugging them. And I've been getting message after messages of people saying, I'm ready to hug some babies, right? And I'm like, there are some babies who are ready to be hugged. So pray, June 16th, I get to meet with St. Francis about our church stretching its curtain and providing protection and speaking inclusivity to kids and families in this city. Come on, come on, that's awesome. We're gonna do this. He says, don't hold back. The word there, do not hold back, can also be translated to mean spare no expense. Go all in. We are going all in in the mandate to reach people as a church. We're not holding anything back. It was funny. We were playing softball, and uh, last week we had our first game. We lost 11 to 17. Uh, Brooke, our coach, said it's my fault because she was out of town, and I coached wrongly, so uh, thanks, Brooke. But uh, there, was, there was something that was said uh, at because I just preached, don't hold back. And uh, everybody was saying every time I'd go to bed, Pastor Steve, don't hold back. Don't hold back. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going for the fences. And I, I didn't hit the fences. I hit the pitcher accidentally. <laughs> but then he moves on. So, so those are all verses two, the A, B, and C, enlarge, stretch out, uh, do not hold back. Those are our terms of growth. Now he's shifting gears, Isaiah and the Lord specifically is shifting gears from, from growth to support. Because how many of you know growth without support is not growth that can last? If you are experiencing an increase in finances, that's growth. But if you don't have a budget, which is support, that growth won't last long. If you desire to have a marriage that is growing and yet do not instill the structure or the system of intimacy and friendship, you cannot sustain that marriage. Every living entity 
Every organization, every building, every structure needs stability in order to support what's on top. Are, are, you, are you tracking along with me? So, so now Isaiah, through the Lord, gives this mandate. Lengthen your ropes. Everybody say, lengthen your ropes. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. It's twofold. Lengthen and strengthen. I love when the Bible rhymes. Lengthen and strengthen. Those are two mandates that God gives us to lengthen and strengthen. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking about what strengthening looks like. How do we become stronger so that we can support the increase God wants to bring? And we're going to talk about things like, like prayer and, and Bible study and things like that. But, but today, I, I, I want to get very specific. We're just going to be looking at lengthening. So if at the end of the service, you're like, man, that was pretty surfacy and it wasn't deep enough. It's because next week, we're talking about depth, okay? This week, we're talking about lengthening. Length, length. Everybody say length. Lengthen the ropes. Now, I am no outdoorsman. Um, I, I, I pretend to be. Uh, I, I was raised in, in the city, so I'm not, a, I'm not a, a country rural American, unfortunately. But I, I, I like to be. Sometimes I'll watch Survivor. Um, sometimes I will watch uh, Man vs. Wild, Bear Grylls, and uh, just pine for the, the, the forest and the wilderness and just go back into like daydreaming like man it'd be so cool if I could just go scale that mountain so so like in my heart I believe I'm an outdoorsman this is how outdoorsy I am I uh, bought a shotgun when I moved to Kansas uh, I bought a fishing pole when a fishing pole and a tackle box when I moved to Missouri for college because uh, I was born and raised in Chicago and if you walked around with a shotgun you'd get shot and if you if you walked around with a fishing pole and a tackle box they'd probably still shoot you so um so when I moved out of the city of Chicago and I moved to Missouri, I bought a fishing pole and I bought a, I bought a tackle box. When I moved to Kansas here, I bought a shotgun and, and uh, my mother-in-law bought me a Bear Grylls knife for uh, Christmas a couple years ago. So that, that is as, as outdoorsy as I get. So I don't know much about tents, but I do know this, that, that the larger you desire your tent to be, the longer your rope needs to go. If you were going to build a tent that is 20 by 20, 20 foot by 20 foot, or 20 feet by 20 feet, you would need about 60, length, or 60 feet of rope. That's how long it would be. But the moment you desired for that tent to go from 20 foot by 20 foot to, to 30 by 30, you would now need almost 90 feet of, tent, uh, of rope. So everybody say, lengthen your rope. We need to go longer. We need to be able to support the increase God desires to bring. I said I don't know much about tents, so let me tell you something I do know about. I know a lot about bounce houses. <laughs> when I was a youth pastor in, uh, in St. Louis, uh, our church owned a couple of bounce houses, and because I was the youth pastor, uh, we believe in, in, in ministerial equality at MWC, so that, doesn't mean, that means that the youth pastor isn't the lowest guy on the totem pole, uh, but that wasn't always the case when I was a youth pastor. When I was a youth pastor, I was the lowest guy on the totem pole, so I was the one responsible in St. Louis uh, at that church to be the guy who manned the bounce houses that our church owned. So every single time there was a ministry event, guess who was the one who was throwing all those bounce houses on his back and carrying... No, I'm just kidding. We had a truck. Uh, moving them and setting them up and, and blowing them up and, and making sure I had people in place to manage them and, 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 and tying them down and staking them down and uh, manning the lines. That was 
yours truly. So we would have these events, and we had various size bounce houses. We had a 10-foot, a, uh, it was like one for just toddlers that would fit 10 toddlers in there, and they're just bouncing, loving life. We had one that was a 40, 50-foot slide. I mean, it was huge. It, would, it was almost the size of the ceiling, and we would have to stake that down, and guess what? Uh, we had one that was uh, two parts brought together. It would fit like 12 to 15 teenagers. It was the largest one we had. Which ones did you, would you think required the most amount of support and rope? The larger ones. So there we were. We were staking them. And, and you know what I realized? That it, it's not the, 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 the rope or the stakes that really support the inflatables. You know what it is? It's the blowers. <laughs> you don't think about the blowers. In fact, if, if you were walking past one of the inflatables, you consider the the, the, the blowers to be a, a, a nuisance. They're, they're loud and obnoxious, and you're just like, oh, these blowers are too loud. And you don't care about the blowers until you trip a breaker and they stop working. And you've got children who are screaming for life, like, ah! <laughs> like, and, and parents who think, like, this is Raiders of the Lost Ark, and their child's about to be sw- like swollen up whole, and they're never going to see their children again, and they're jumping in there, and they're pulling their kids out, all because of a blower that was once considered a nuisance and overlooked, is no longer functioning, and it can no longer the support the, the, the inflatable, the structure that was given. Listen, in the church, we need systems We need stability to support the increase that God desires to bring. Much like those inflatables that people overlooked and didn't care for very much uh, only became necessary when they stopped working. I'm here to tell you that in the church, we need systems in order for the church to function. Things that we oftentimes overlook Again, we said in finances, if, if, if wealth is your tent and you don't have the rope of a budget, it will not be healthy. If, if a healthy marriage is the tent and you don't have relationship or friendship, the marriage cannot be healthy. And now we see the mandate to lengthen and strengthen. Let's not overlook this command because it is what it is, a command. It is just that. God, the same God who desires. And listen, if you still think I'm talking about tents, forgive me. Um, God is not concerned with tents as much as he's concerned with people. The tent is just symbolic of people coming into relationship with the Lord. He is about, he is for bringing people into the protection of the tent. If this church is gonna be symbolized as anything, it would be the tent. And God desires us to bring more and more individuals under the care of the tent, but we need to lengthen that rope. Uh, if we're not careful, we will take lengthen and strengthen as a, as a um, not a command, but a suggestion. And I'm here to tell you that this is a command, that we are called to look for ways to lengthen that rope, to, in, to increase the support. If we are not careful, we will fall into the trap of, of the church trap of, known as the, the Rocky Syndrome. Do we have any fans of that film, Rocky, or maybe the, the new one, uh, Creed, pretty cool movie, like Michael B. Jordan is jacked in that movie. It's crazy. Like, um, I started looking up his workout. I'm like, I want to be like Michael B. Jordan. And I saw the work. I'm like, I don't want to be like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> But we will fall into this trap known as the Rocky Syndrome, where, where we, we, I mean, if you remember the, the movies, the Rocky, um, they, they, they put a, they, they see him, they show him getting beat up, 
and he is like getting demolished. And then in the next movie, there's a, a montage where they play Eye of the Tiger in the background. And somehow, because of the music and, and the length of the song, Rocky comes back and he's jacked and he's bigger than ever before. And then he goes toe-to-toe with Apollo Creed and he ends up winning. And it's, it's an incredible story. And, and it's, it's like we will fall into the syndrome where we think the only way we can receive victory or receive increase is, is things just come together and fit together. What we don't realize, but what, what we fail to realize, that Rocky's victory only didn't happen in the 12 rounds or uh, the three-minute 12 rounds, or it didn't happen in that montage of that song, but in months and weeks leading up to it. The amount of time, the intentionality that it took to Build yourself up, to build himself up to support the victory that he had in the ring. If we're not careful, we read passages like the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, verses 16 to 18. I mean, let's read this. It says this. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, this is a, a, a short recap of what the story is actually talking about, where a master who is uh, symbolic of God giving every one of his children specific resources, talents, abilities, and it is their responsibility to take everything that God has given them to bring an increase. And to the one he gave five talents, he went and he traded It says that he went at once and traded. Now, sometimes we just read past that like we would a Rocky montage, but we fail to see is that this guy probably likely, now this is just a parable and we're reading into the text, but this guy probably, in order to receive the multiplication of those talents, he had to go away, do work and study and preparation, and he had to spend time and determination and experience struggle and disappointment in order to bring the master an increase. And I'm saying the same thing. As a church, we need to understand that if we are going to grow, if we're going to receive the increase that God desires to bring, it's going to require some sacrifice, determination, commitment. It's going to require us to be individuals who understand this command to lengthen the rope. Now, I understand what's happening to some of us in this place. Some of you are type A individuals. You love systems. I mean, you like can't wait to go home and balance your checkbook for some reason. Um, like th- That's just the way God has wired you, and I, and I love you people, but that's not who I am. I am very much a type B person. I'm about the experience, and, and, and you would call me irresponsible, but I promise I'm not irresponsible. Um, but, 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 but we need both personality types. We know that. But, but I'm here to tell you, if you're someone who hears about this increase and you get turned off and you're just like, oh, here's another message on, on growing a church and this, listen, if we read the scriptures, it is chock full of examples of how our God is a God of systems, how, how he sees the value in systems. And I, and I, I want to just really quickly, I have seven that I pulled out. I'm not going to read the text, but I'm just going to really quickly read these to you so that you can see that God cares about supporting the increase that he desires to bring. Notice this, Jesus calls the 12 and then the 72 in Luke 10 verse 1. The significance of that was before Christ would go and preach in a city, he would send his disciples beforehand to prepare the hearts of the people. That was a system Jesus installed. We also see that Jesus had the crowd sit in groups of 
50. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Well, it didn't happen because Jesus began to make it rain fish and, and loaves of bread. It started because Jesus said, all right, have disciples, my disciples. I want you to instill the system of having everybody sit in groups of 50, and we will feed them this way. That is a system. We also see that Peter made a system to replace Judas with Matthias. They casted lots. That is a system. We also see that Peter made a system to serve the widows. The church was growing. It experienced a lot of increase, and and there was a lot of demands on the church, this growing church. The widows were not being fed, and people were getting upset and angry and just a crazy story that we see in Acts chapter 6. So what did the Lord, the Holy Spirit that fell on Pentecost also lead the people, the church to do in Acts chapter 6? Install a system. If you believe systems aren't spiritual, I'm here to tell you that the same Holy Spirit that moved on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that caused people to instill systems. Systems are spiritual. And this is coming from someone who doesn't like them, but they're necessary. And what did he do? He said, I want you to raise up seven deacons and make them responsible to to love and care for the needs of these widows so that they don't get overlooked so that you guys can continue on the ministry of preaching and teaching and prayer. I mean, it's it's in the text. We also see that that Paul Paul commands Timothy to multiply teachers. Timothy uh, was a proficient leader and teacher in the church, but Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, if you want to increase your capacity, if you want to increase the efforts that you're doing there in Ephesus, you need to start multiplying yourself and having other people become teachers so that they can be launched out like Jessica's in arts and that they can expand the mission of Christ. You need to install a system. He also told Titus, his other pastor, Hey, listen, I'm sending you to Crete. I want you to appoint elders so that they can continue the ministry and that we can plant more churches. God is about growing his church, and he does so through the faithful work of the Holy Spirit, yes, but the faithful installation of systems. You can't overlook this. If you love Jesus and you just want to be inspired and have Holy Spirit moments, and yet you're not willing to support structures for growth, you will not grow. If you want to be, sometimes I, I feel like we, we use this word, and I, and I love the word, but I, I hate what, how we've translated it, anointing. Everybody say anointing. We, we think the anointing is just like some, some moment where God just randomly touches a person, and, and now they are anointed. But you, what you fail to realize, that a person who's in spending time in the system of prayer, a person who is in spending time in the system of, of, of Bible reading and study will not be anointed. I don't care how much you spend and sing and, 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 and talk about the Holy Spirit. If you are not putting a system, creating an environment to support the growth God desires to bring, you will not increase. So how do we apply this to the church? How do we lengthen the rope? It doesn't happen by magic. Can we stand to agree that that magician you saw in middle school lied to you when he did this trick, and he's like, oh, now it's longer, right? He lied to us. Ropes don't lengthen on accident or by magic. The church does not grow by magic or by accident. This church will not grow or maximize its impactfulness by accident or by magic, and don't you dare tell me it's personality-driven because that's the kind of growth I don't want in the church where it depends on one person's personality or, or one specific singer. The only way God grows his church is when the people of God do their part. 
Friend, I'm upping the ante and saying this. If you want to see God bring impact and effectiveness, and if you want the church to see increase, specifically this church, hopefully that's your heart because you're here, the only way we can lengthen the rope is this. By tying more rope to rope. There's no other way. You got distracted by that ringtone. So did I. It, it doesn't happen by accident. You just can't. You can't allow things to lengthen by themselves. How do we lengthen rope? Tying more rope. Did I do magic? Some of you are like, yeah, you did. <laughs> Some of you are like, Pastor, you just take that show on the road. No. <laughs> no. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing magic. I'm it's, it's, a, it's a double knot. Like I just, but I'm lengthening the rope. This is exactly what Isaiah was talking about. How do you lengthen the rope? You attach more rope to the rope. How do we increase the support of this church to, to support the increase God desires to bring? Here it is. Friend, you are this rope. You are needed in the body of Christ, if we are going to support what God desires to do, we need to tie ourselves to each other. How is that applied practically? I'm going to say it one time. What does it mean to tie, to lengthen the rope? How, do, how is that lived out biblically? And experientially, serving. Serving. If you are in the church, if you are in the church and you desire to grow, I'm going to say this, until you start serving in the church, you cannot be a healthy member of a church. Until you start serving in the church, you cannot be a healthy member of a church. My heart is not condemning right now. Please know my heart. I've never been that way. I'm not trying to condemn or convict or guilt. or that, that, that's, that's, not, that's not even the motive. But I want to see God increase we just celebrated students coming to Jesus. How many of you enjoy seeing people come to the Lord? I mean, uh, if you're, everybody's hand should be up unless you don't love Jesus. If you support Satan, that's the only out I'm giving you, right? But if you love Jesus, you, you want to see people come to the Lord. The only way God brings the increase is if we understand that we got to attach ourselves and lengthen the rope. The only way we are going to accomplish reaching 450,000 people in this city is if we attach ourselves, as, as, if we lengthen the rope, if we create, not as it's happening, but before it happens, because we rejoice before we receive, uh, if we are attaching ourselves so that we can support the increase God wants to bring. Listen, if you come to MW and this is your first time here, you have, you have an out. But next week, I want you to start serving. Because we need each other. We need this. We need to love and to greet and to embrace and to welcome during worship and work in the, in the coffee shop. Listen, uh, I'm the pastor, 
And, and this is what speaks the most value to me. When I see, like, let's suppose I wasn't the pastor. Suppose I was a family. I would feel so welcomed and loved when I looked in the nursery and I saw people who loved my children. Like, you've probably never changed one of Desi's diapers, but nothing speaks love to me than a care worker who does it with a smile on their face. And they put that sticker on his back, changed with love. Because when I see that, I'm like, they did. They love my kids. Now I'm a pastor, and I, and I love you guys anyway, whether you love my kids or not. I probably won't like you as much, but I love you, right? But this is how we lengthen our rope through service. And, and I know some of you are probably burnt out because you've been serving forever, and, and maybe, maybe you've experienced at one point where, where you've heard the, the phrase, like, like 10% of the people do 100% of the work, and you were a part of that 10, and now you're burnt out, and you're frustrated, and you're looking for a way out, or you're probably looking for another church. I get it. This, this is why this is a call to the entire church. Uh, this is how we lengthen our rope through service. You cannot be a healthy member of the church until you start serving in the church. Where am I getting that from? I end with this, Galatians chapter five, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be what? Free. Are you thankful for the freedom that we have in Jesus? Yes. But, however, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Yeah, you've been set free. Praise God. You're no longer held down by a yoke of slavery. You've been set free. Sin has no dominion over your life. Praise the Lord. I'm set free. But don't use that freedom to indulge yourself, to do what just satisfies self. Rather, instead, on the contrary, however, serve one another humbly in love. Does he say serve Jesus? No, because by serving one another, you are serving Jesus. Does he say, now go to every Bible study and watch every YouTube video that Hillsong Church put? No, no, what, what is he saying? How, how do we now live that? Serve one another humbly in love. We're called to serve. And then he gives this, like he takes a teaching of Jesus. Because remember when Jesus says the entire law is summarized like this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul takes that a next step, and he said, this is literally lived out, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He applies that to mean when we serve in the church, when we sign up to get here early and to greet or to put on a security t-shirt and make sure that everybody can worship in a place that is safe, when we sign up to, to pass out offering, when we sign up to be a community group leader, when we sign up to, to be someone who holds the door open or someone who teaches a Sunday school class, or when we sign up to be on the worship team and, and, to, and to sing good and look good for Jesus, or when we sign, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, but this is how we live out that command. You know what I love is that Jesus said this, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, He's, he's a creator of all things. If anyone is in a position to receive the servitude of the other, it's the creator receiving that of his creation. But he himself said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Show of hands, let's just be honest. 
Who's a recipient of that servitude? Who's a recipient of the service of Jesus? Notice this. He came to serve, which led into salvation. Right? You're you're following me? He came to serve, it led to salvation. And now we are saved, and we should be serving. He came to serve, it led to salvation. We have been saved, and now we should be serving. Do not indulge yourself to serve one another humbly in love. No condemnation, no guilt. Maybe you've come from an experience. If we can just close our eyes and bow our heads and just allow the Holy Spirit to apply this to us right now. Maybe this is your first time in church and you're like, Pastor, what, what are you talking about? What, 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 did I, what did I walk into this morning? I mean, let, let me just, let's just be honest and open before the Holy Spirit. If you have yet to receive Jesus, your starting point in serving is accepting the service that Christ provided, which is salvation. And I just want to, it'd be remiss of us to not give that first priority. If you would say, you know what, Pastor, I, I want to be a part of the body of Christ. We, we took communion today. We I want to make this confession. I, I, want, I want to receive the service of Jesus, which leads to salvation. I, I recognize that, that I, I can't live life on my own. I've tried and I've failed. And the Bible would tell us this, that, that none of us are righteous enough to come to the Father. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. If, if you would say, you know what, Pastor, I want to receive what Jesus has accomplished this free gift of grace. I'm not asking you to sign on a dotted line or become a member of of our church. I'm just asking if you would make that confession, that statement, that I'm turning from myself and I'm turning towards Jesus. If you would lift up your hand with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to know who to pray for, who's making that decision. If that's you, go ahead and lift up your hand this morning. Praise God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? awesome. I saw two hands. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for the individuals in this place who have made that confession of faith. Lord, your word tells us that it is by our mouths that when we open them, when we confess and believe that we are saved. So, Father, thank you for those individuals that are going from from service to salvation. But, Father, we shift gears, not diminishing the significance of what you've done, but building upon it. And friends, now I'm asking all of us in this place, who desires to go from salvation to serving? Who would say, Pastor, I want to lengthen the rope. I want to see God bring increase, and I want to be attached to the rope. I want to support what God is doing. If that is your desire, would you just lift up your hand? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hands all around this place. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for the individuals who have made that that declaration today. Father, we know that serving is a part of growth. And we pray for the individuals that are saying, I want to be a part of something bigger. May you bless them and honor them as we see you do great and powerful things in this church. For those of you, actually, can we just stand in this place? As we wrap this up, Father, 
Thank you for everybody in this room. Thank you for every individual in this church. As we go from our salvation to serving, as we go to lengthening these ropes to support the increase that you desire to bring, would you bless us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are someone who said, Pastor, I would like to start serving, I want to make that shift. I'm going to encourage you to go to mwcchurch.com. Go to our website, forward slash serve. There's a form that we've created specifically for this service as a tangible next step. Fill that out, and I will get with you this week because I want to see you become part of us lengthening our rope. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.